Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. I'm sitting down to record this on the summer solstice, the longest and brightest day of the year. It's the time of year when we celebrate what we planned during our winter, what's been hidden and and what has been growing energy and is now out in the open, out in the light. And things are exposed. Stories are hopefully making more sense. Integration, seeing how it all fits together is the theme for the solstice, how it all comes to light. I've heard from many folks recently about a recent episode called Moving Rocks. And it is surprisingly, because of its simplicity, one of, one of the, the favorites in the history of this podcast. Because I've heard from so many of you about it, I have a sliver of an idea of what so many of us are going through. This ancient and forever tangle of, are we doing enough? Is our life, how we're living it, enough to make a good life? <laughs> Yes, I am here to settle your bones and my bones too. Your life is enough. It's enough to be a good person and to try your best. It's okay and even better even to stop climbing this invisible ladder of so-called success and sit on your porch instead and watch the sunrise. Some of us are getting swallowed up. And I, I think it might be because we are measuring our life's work with tools that other people have crafted. You need to forge your own tools to help you decide what a good life looks like. For me, that process feels like relief, ease, And then sometimes it feels like soaring and even magic. Good tools and systems of measurements by you and for you. As I I talked about in a recent podcast, I started reading this book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. And the premise is about this frustrated mother who has this three-year-old and She's just exhausted and at her wit's end, and she decides to travel to three different cultures and immerse herself in the philosophies of the families and try to discover how to better parent her own child. And I loved it so much. I felt pulled in by its ease, by its promise, by its poetry, and the hope of more cooperative children. I was enchanted, to say the least. So, in typical Buffy fashion, I was um, drawn to revamp and change the whole culture of my family, hook, line, and sinker, so that we could achieve these gorgeous and harmonious qualities in our family. Because honestly, it's been really, really hard 
lately. Lots of yelling and some pretty hard times in the first stretch of summer in our house. So this book felt like a life draft and a possibility for me of harmony. But I think what happened is I tried to implement all the new strategies too fast. And it was like using someone else's tools to fit my family. And yes, there's some really good things in there, but I don't think I was slowing down to integrate it slowly and everybody, um, but mostly the kids felt dysregulated and disoriented. And so it backfired and their behavior got even worse with these new book strategies. So then I threw my hands up and said things like, I'm trying so hard. I'm reading books. I'm learning. I'm trying to connect all these extra things and nothing's working. And you guys are, are acting terrible and it's even worse than before. And so my reaction wasn't really super helpful. And so last night I ended up in the bath in a ball, <laughs> crying and exhausted after the kids went to bed and I went to sleep early. Um, and if I could just sleep, the morning will be better, I thought. So I woke up early this morning. I took a hard, sweaty bike ride to clear my body and head before the kids were even awake. And I sat on the stairs to cool down before I showered. And there was just sweat pouring off of me. And when I was sitting there, the solution showed up as it does often when we get quiet and, and still. Slow down, I thought. You have to craft the tools for your family. You can use ideas and books and inspiration even, and even models to help you. But only you are going to be able to forge the exact right tools. You have to custom fit them. I found out yesterday that my ankle replacement is going to take place on October 6th. And it's going to take them three months to make the exact right ankle for my body. They have to take all kinds of measurements to make it right for me. It's not one size fits all. When we are making our lives, crafting our family culture, deciding what we place importance on. The tools of measurement need to be custom fit to us, not generated by what we see on social media as the definition of a good life or good parenting or what works for someone entirely different from us. So if you're getting swallowed up by others and their ideas, as I sometimes feel like I am, the best medicine is to get quiet and still and do a major social media fast. Turn off all the apps on your devices. Stop the flow of information coming in, at least for a while. And once the, no the outside noise is gone, you can hear yourself think. You are your highest teacher, always, always, always. You are the brightest star in your own universe. And this is not to say that you cannot have teachers and treasured people who influence you and who offer counsel. That's essential. But even those folks should not drown out your own instincts. You already know. And if you don't, get incredibly quiet so that you can. The voices of others 
can be important, but not if listening to them is just simply the inertia of popular culture. We have to be discerning and trust ourselves to craft the tools we need to navigate our world. So yes, read, research, observe, educate yourself, and then turn it off sometimes. And sit with it and decide what is yours to assimilate and to integrate. Some of what we hear and read and experience just needs to be composted and rinsed out of us. Some of it's just noise or it's other people's ill-fitting tools. Otis called a family meeting a few nights ago. He wrote out invitations for Matt, myself, and my mom. (laughs) Um, He wanted to meet at the kitchen table after Coretta was asleep, and so he set the time for 7.15. He said we were going to have... Tillamook ice cream, strawberry ice cream, which for those of you who don't know is absolutely the best strawberry ice cream available. And I didn't even like strawberry ice cream before I tried theirs. So the four of us met at our table and we're all looking at Otis. We don't know what the meeting's about. I I actually regret not recording this meeting because it was so good that I might have included it in this episode, but I, I didn't think to record it. He waited until we were all three looking at him and quiet. He looked very serious. And he said, I want to talk about three things. Number one, parenting. Number two, my behavior and Coretta's behavior. And number three, our family. And he said, we're going to come back to parenting. (laughs) He said, let's talk about our behavior. And he went on to admit that they had been aggravating each other a lot since summer had started, and we, we kept listening. And then he had this amazing insight. He said, with his head down, I think Coretta watches me, and she learned it from me. She learns aggravating and pushing buttons and poking and hitting and all that from me. And so we listened to him very quiet, and he said, I'm really wanting to stop so that our family can be better and feel better. And of course, my heart grew like a a hundred sizes. And after a bit more discussion, he said, let's move the meeting to the living room. And so we did. And then he looked at us and said, (laughs) I think you should get together in partners and talk to each other to see if you can come up with any other ideas to share with the group. I was so tickled, um, but stifled my giggles because it was just so tender and sweet. And so we talked and shared and had ideas. And and mostly we were just, I think, reveling in the fact that our child was crafting tools. He was looking at our family and recognizing we needed something different. But that it needed to come from us and our desires to be kind and be free. And so I went to sleep that night with a grateful heart for Otis and his desire and insight. And then I awoke the next morning to fighting and screaming and the kids kicking each other. And so it's not going to be built in one day. There's still work to do. There will always be work to do and conversations to be had, temperatures to be lowered, and legs to be grounded. In our lives, in your life, life is just going to keep piling on. That will not stop, I'm sorry to say. 
but maybe we can spend more time and attention on the most important things and clean our tools and toss the ones that got put in the box without our consent. So who is measuring you? And is this consensual? What is your essence without social media, without your looks, without your legs, without your job? What is your essence? Are you getting swallowed by someone else's idea of success or happiness? I want to spend more time giving attention than getting attention. That's a tool that I want to develop, that I want to have at the ready, to pay attention rather than to need attention on me. During the family meeting, I saw Otis becoming even more himself. And that's the gift, right? We learn to become even more ourselves in the most honest spaces of desire and intention. The older I get, the more I read, the more I study, the more I pray, get quiet and relish in the spiritual world, the more simple my spiritual life has actually become. I think it used to be about collection, about gathering and cataloging and learning and learning as much as I could, gleaning as much as I could, soak in quantity. And now I've become more interested in feeling sacred moments, feeling them in my bones, my breath, feeling my creaks and mistakes even as sacred openings and resting in myself. What if we only had 19 days to live? What if we only had 19 minutes? Would we then be able to be fully here, wide awake and trusting our own tools of measurement for a life well lived? Or would we skip ahead? I think we have to practice it. Intention is not enough. Family meetings even, even beautiful family meetings that are well-intentioned are not enough. Making the tools and setting them in our toolbox is not enough. Reading the books is not enough. We have to practice them when we are lonely. We have to practice them when we are angry. When we are unsure and lonely, we have to practice not going on social media to get a hit of what life could be like if only we were better or more, more beautiful or lucky people. Otis has to practice his desire to be in a harmonious family when Coretta is awake and pushing his buttons, not just when he's having ice cream at the table without her. He has to practice it when he's mad and wants to hit her. We have to practice it when it's hard. It's easier, I think, to use the tools already culturally provided, even if they're not working It's easier to determine our beauty by our clear skin or smooth neck or trim waist because these tools of measurement are already in place culturally. But how do we measure our heart, our joy levels, how many times we feel the divine wash over us in a lifetime? I'm not sure. But I know it's deeply personal and cannot be made into a template or a formula. So stop trying. Here's what I'm asking myself currently. 
the actual question I ask when I sit down in quiet reverence, what is currently covering me up? What is the makeup of my armor? Is it fear? Is it imposter syndrome? Is it low self-esteem? Am I missing the most sacred moments? And if so, why am I missing the most sacred moments? I think sometimes when we use tools of measurement that are not FDA approved, so to speak, or tools that, that others are using to measure themselves, then we start to question their validity. So this, again, is where we have to get quiet and we have to fast from the information for a while. Throw all the self-help books in a box for a bit and listen to yourself first. Someone asked me recently about how I prove or buy into magic. (laughs) And I laughed um, because for me, it's not easy to put into words. I want to. I want to believe there's so much more than what we can see on the surface. I choose for magic and trust and wonderment to be major tools for me because I want to live in a world that is far beyond black and white. My perspective alone can make that real. It's a story I choose to rest my life on. That belief is what makes it real, not someone else's validation of it. Because magic is created by belief. Einstein said, live your life as if nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. And I choose the latter. I always am going to choose the latter. Because when we do that, there's always an opening for possibility. Believing that nothing is a miracle is a closed system. It's a concrete system with no fluidity. And I think that that feels safer to some folks, but it's built to close us up rather than free us. So that's that's a lot in a short few minutes. And it's a lot and... There's not anything you have to do. It's all here in your body. It's here in your breath. You don't have to go out and get anything to make those tools. You already have all the materials. I don't have a magic something that you need to close that gap. You already have it. That's it. You have it inside of you. And your life is already a masterpiece. This week's patron of honor holds a really special place in my heart. She was my childhood best friend, and she is still a champion of my work, as I am hers. When I asked her to share a few words about herself for this episode, this is what she sent me. From the two tiny pink ballerinas giggling under the stairs, to the teens in the age of grunge belting indigo girls as we flew around town in my Honda, I am so grateful for our friendship. You were then and remain a formative lighthouse, encouraging and inspiring me to shine my unique light as you bravely shine yours. I am overjoyed now that so many people get nourished by your light, and I feel sparkly special that I got to witness your beginnings. William Shakespeare said, This above all, to thine own self be true. 
and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. In our senior year of high school, I chose this as my quote for the yearbook. At the time, I was an angsty 17-year-old who felt mostly anxious or invisible, except by my best friend, Buffy. The quote felt like armor, proof that if I held on to what I had found within myself, I would bring something authentic and significant to the world. I found a sense of self and purpose through ballet. I had found the joining of divinity and earth, and I had found flow. Now, as a 46-year-old mom and wife, I continue to explore our human potential and how we intersect and partner with the divine in mind, body, and spirit. I seek to share this through singing, art, and movement. Currently, I teach group fitness classes incorporating mind-body modalities and Eastern energy practice with Lifetime Fitness in Johns Creek, Georgia. You can connect with Courtney on Facebook at Body Aligned Mind Body Fitness with Courtney Cook or This Sweet Life Art by Courtney. And we'll put that in the show notes too. So thank you to Courtney and to all of my patrons for your support in this podcast. You mean the world to me. Have a beautiful day. <laughs>